You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bott and Megan Gesner. A quick note for the listener, it wasn't until after this episode recording that Megan was told the correct pronunciation for Akron, Ohio, and the Cuyahoga River. So I just wanted to apologize in advance for totally butchering those words throughout the rest of the episode. I have learned and I am a better person. All right, enjoy. Hello, boys and pals, gentle listener. How are you today? <laughs> that was more scary. But we, we would like to invite you, sweet listener, to sit down and relax. Enjoy this episode that Megan is going to tell you today. All right. Yeah, I'm actually super excited to bring the story Yay. to you all today. In terms of genre, this is <laughs> another episode about environmental toxicology slash environmental disasters. It yeah. is a homegrown disaster here in the United States and actually Ugh. is a very significant part of our environmental history and mm-hmm. environmental environmentalism in the United States and um, policymaking. One thing I want to definitely say before we go any further is this story was actually brought to my attention by dear friend and fellow Poison Pal slash supporter, Darian. Harina, you've met Darian once before at my old OB yeah. place, but mm-hmm. Darian also used to be my neighbor. She mm-hmm. has now moved back to her home state of Ohio, and she actually messaged me a couple months back and was like, hey... I think I have a story for you guys because I'm just learning about this thing. And it has to do with water pollution. If you're from Ohio, you probably already know what I'm getting at. (laughs) Um, And she was wondering, she's like, I think this would be a great story. And also Mm -hmm. she was wondering if her dog, Miko Boy, we love Miko Boy. He's such a good boy. Um, If her dog was like safe playing in the waters of Lake Erie. And so we had a little conversation about this. So cool. So this is me finally getting the chance to do Darian's story or story recommendation Mm-hmm. And I hope I can answer Darian's ultimate question, which is, should she still be concerned about the water and the safety of Lake Erie's water and the rivers and stuff like that out in Ohio? And um, I will answer that question at the end. Okay. So, do you have okay. any idea what I'm talking about at all? Okay. You know? We're on each other's wavelength. Okay. okay. I was just about to say, like, I think I know what you're about to talk about. I think. Okay. I don't know if you want me to say it. I, I can keep mum. I mean, I'm down. I love when people guess. Like, <laughs> guess, guess. Go for it. Okay. I don't mind. I want to guess. I want to guess. Yeah. I think, don't judge me if it's wrong. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm already backtracking. I okay. think that it, well, there's been a lot of news lately about how mm-hmm. drugs are getting into our waters, but Ooh, okay. it's about how like a lot of pharmaceutical drugs are getting into our waters and the fish are eating it and it's like mm-hmm. causing a lot of havoc. That's what I think it is. Gotcha. Okay. That is not what I'm talking about today, but oh. that is super fascinating. Okay. And is I mean, is that like in tying in with the opioid epidemic right now? It's about like everything. Like I think mm-hmm. it's even beyond pharmaceutical drugs because I think the big headline that I had been seeing was that fish are like 
high on meth all the time now because oh, of the waters okay, yeah, yeah. and things like that. So it was actually a story I was going to dig into as a potential episode uh, mm. because it's become a really big issue. And if we're eating that fish, like the same same theory yeah. holds for the mercury poisoning, we could also get that as well. And it's right. just not good. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I do feel like I've heard about amphetamines and like mm-hmm. fish fish loaded up with amphetamines recently yeah like so amphetamines, that, cocaine that is interesting yeah yep, yep okay okay so it's well, not that that is not, I'm excited. It is not that so everyone sorry for keeping you on your toes but i yeah. you know we love a good guessing game so for any yep. good guess we will cover that topic later sure. um so no uh today i will be talking to you about the 1969 cuyahoga river fire in cleveland Whoa. Well, I mean, Cleveland and surrounding area of Ohio. Okay. The 1969 Cuyahoga River Fire is the event that sparked, pun intended. <laughs> horrible. Love it. Love a pun. It's the event that sparked the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency, ECA. So cool. Oh, and my God. I know that you, we just recorded a story where mm-hmm. you talked about the inception of the FDA based on... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a children's medication that had antifreeze in it. Yeah. <laughs> in it. Yeah. And so I was like, how appropriate. Thank you, Darian. Now we can talk about a story where this so cool. is the genesis of the EPA, another Love governmental it. agency. And, you know, of course, like governmental agencies are born from big oopsies. <laughs> so <laughs> this was a big oopsie. Um, That's the title so- of the episode. <laughs> Big oopsie. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So let's just start with the let's start with geography, and then it'll be just a bunch of history. And then, um, honestly, the talks part is teeny tiny because um, at the end of the day, I'm just going to talk about what was in the river to cause it to get on fire. But yeah, it's That's an important. <laughs> yeah, it's an important environmental story. I was just to say those two words don't go together. That's how insane it is. What a, a river on fire! River on fire! Yeah, <laughs> river on fire. Fire. It's probably a documentary out there somewhere. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, you know what's uh, funny is that I, the first time I've ever heard of a river being on fire was the mm-hmm. River Thames because the mm. River Thames, just like the Cuyahoga, yeah, you know, very industrial area yeah. and horribly polluted back in its heyday. I. I know that the River Thames caught on fire probably a couple times, but I think there was one that was what? like a pretty significant part of its history. That is wild. I know why. No, I, I think I learned that like back in college or something and just held on to that one piece of information. Dude, what? Where was that college class that I did not take with you? Um, I have no idea. I feel like that's like, I feel like that was like an MMW class, if I'm being honest. Probably. <laughs> I must have skipped or something. Anyways, I was going to say, I feel like I have a theory as to why the River Thames was on fire. If you guys have been watching some of my TikTok videos on Today I Learned Science, Mm -hmm. I talk about a video where uh, people would blow smoke up people's asses back in the day on the River Thames. And they would literally have like the bellows and Mm -hmm. um, like the charcoal or whatever that you would put to light something up on the river. So people would do it in case someone drowned. But I feel like that's like a safety hazard, a fire hazard, all of the things. So yeah. I don't know if that's actually what it is, but that would be interesting if it was related. Yeah. I, I don't know in terms of the River Thames' history what caused the fire to start. I just know it was hella polluted. And yeah. that's what happened with the Cuyahoga. Um, okay. So anyway, ready. going back to the U.S. Let's yes. get out of London. <laughs> out of London. Okay. What's important is the U.S. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, all right. The Cuyahoga River 
It's located in northeastern Ohio. It's an 100-mile-long U-shaped river that cuts Ooh. through Cleveland and mm-hmm. empties into Lake Erie. Okay. Okay. And what you should know is that Lake Erie is the main drinking source for this area and a lot of areas that touch it. Okay, so Got it. Drink, drinking water source, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because of its flow, it was dammed in the early 1800s, um, you know, during the, I guess, kind of the tail end of the Industrial Revolution to serve as a source of water for the Ohio and Erie Canal. Um, which the Ohio and Erie Canal, that opened in 1827, okay? The region which surrounds the Cuyahoga is very rich in coal and iron deposits. Mm -hmm. So when when the Ohio and Erie Canal opened in 1827, these deposits then became readily available to whoever wanted to access them. And that attracted lots of big businesses to state claim along the banks of the Cuyahoga. And Cleveland and Akron, Ohio, became booming industrious cities that just were fueled by these big businesses and corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to our down by the Minamata Bay two parter, yeah. it's the same vibe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you, there you see an opportunity, there's a good river that flows through it that you can dam up for hydrolysized power to yeah. run your company. And it's just like a great way to just build your industry, produce whatever you need to produce on a large scale. And then all your um, waste product goes back into the river. <laughs> yeah. So that's Perfect. what happens with the Cuyahoga. <laughs> yeah, the waste created by these businesses and e- even the cities that were built around them, Cleveland and Akron, um, they'd cycle their their waste back into the Cuyahoga. This would be manufacturing waste, even mm-hmm. human waste, Oof. just general sewage, and all would go into the river. Most of this sewage would accumulate into the river's lowest reaches because of how the businesses would dam up the river for mm-hmm. the, the power that they needed. So it's think not only is it highly polluted, but slow moving. Oh, There's not a lot of flow. And uh, at some point, it still dumps into the Erie, yeah. which is a drinking water source at some point. Now, mind you, Lake Erie is a massive lake. It is part of the Great Lakes. Sure. So... Was there ever a threat per se that Lake Erie is, you know, non-drinkable? Maybe, um, mm-hmm. but I, from the research I got, I it it never seemed like it Lake Erie stopped being a source of drinking water. Okay. Cuyahoga River for sure. No, you can't. You cannot you can't drink, drink it from it. Okay. So, yeah, uh, this pollutioning started in the mid eighteen hundreds. No, not not mid. Like after 1827, essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And within a 50-year time span, it already became sludge level. So this was like in the 1800s, it was already bad is what I'm saying. That's nuts. It got hit bad really quick. Um, And here's proof of that. This is from – this is a quote that's pretty popular that describes the – history of the Cuyahoga being polluted. And it's Mm. used because of the time that this quote was written. This Mm -hmm. is from, um, let's see, it just says 1880s. Anyway, (laughs) this is from a a Czech immigrant who wrote an observation of the Cuyahoga in the 1880s, goes by the name of Francisek Vleck. And you will see this quote in many of the articles that talk about the Cuyahoga. 
Um, and Frantisic says, yellowish black rings of oil circled on its surface like grease in soup. Ew. The water was yellowish, thick, full of clay, stinking of oil and sewage. Piles of rotting wood were heaped on either bank of the river, and it was all dirty and neglected. He goes on to explain that he learned it flowed into Lake Erie, the source of Cleveland's drinking water, as he stood outside a slaughterhouse, watching oh my gosh. a great stream of dirty water rushing from it right into the river. So slaughterhouse, di- like disgustingness, going straight into the river. And that he wrote that in his autobiography back in the 1880s. So it was oh my bad God. already back then. And that was how Chef Boyardee was made. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sewage from the slaughterhouse went into the river and got scooped up by Chef Boyardee Corporation on the other side and then produced as cans. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's the Just kidding. <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, this is no shame. No shame. Not game, real. Chef Boyardee is not selling you sewage. No. Um, so to to add to this layer of like, this is like a gross river. Yeah. On average, the river, remember, it's 100 miles long. Yeah. On average, the river is only three <clears throat> to six feet deep. <laughs> what? Like, picture that. <laughs> like, like just puddle. naturally. Yes. Naturally, its lowest point is like 27 feet deep, and that was due to some sort of military activity on the river. I read that oh. very quickly on Wikipedia. <laughs> but, like, other than that, like, thing, it's just like at its shortest, it goes up to your waist level. You know what That's I'm saying? That's wild. And was... it's just like a little sewage puddle. <laughs> That that Czech guy, as soon as he saw that, he didn't even unpack his bags when he got to Ohio. It's like, oh, okay, then going on to the next state. <laughs> I just I just picture him by this slaughterhouse in this like yeah. slow moving river, smoking a cigarette, and just like, right, <sighs> like just like Ugh, Americans, Americans, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then goes back to his work shift at the slaughterhouse. <laughs> exactly. Um, of Chef see. Boyardee. <laughs> The slaughterhouse was Chef Boyardee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before we get into the rest of the episode, if you've been enjoying our content so far, please go rate and review us wherever you might be listening from. Or don't. Just keep on hanging with us. All right. On to the rest of the episode. All right. So now that we've established that it's just been gross since the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun facts. Prior to the 1969 fire that this mm. is this whole story is about the Cuyahoga had actually caught on fire 11 times before okay yeah. <laughs> um and actually it's a total of 13 it, this river has caught on fire a total of 13 times and I'll talk about the final time at the end but yeah. like just for context like this river has caught on fire before so why is the 1969 fire so important. Why yeah. did it lead to the EPA being created and the Clean Water Act to take off and all these things? Right, right. right. Okay. Um, so, some additional history. Yes. Its first fire was in 1868. Its most significant fire was in 1952, mm. which caused $1.5 million in damage. And okay. in that, 
that time, I mean, that's a lot of money back that's in that a time. Lot. That would equate a, almost $17 million today. <sighs> okay, so $17 million Steep. worth of damage. Imagine that. Mm. Mm. The 1969 fire was a lot smaller in comparison to the 52 fire. Mm. It cost $50,000 worth in damages and mm. only lasted for 24 minutes. What? Um, and Yeah. It only lasted for 24 minutes. Okay. And because it was extinguished so quickly, no photos were even taken of it during that time. Whoa. Yeah. So this was like a whatever fire. Like whatever. Yeah. The 1952 fire had photos because it was so big and drastic. Yeah. But like why didn't anything happen then? Yeah. That is strange. So it just so happened (laughs) that 1969 was a Big, big year for national events in the United States. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any dates or uh, 1969 events that come to the top of your head at all? Going to the moon, which is a boom, boom, boom. That's all I know. Yes. No, that's that's perfect. That was an example I was going to give. That was a huge thing that happened. The successful launch and return of Apollo 11 Mm -hmm. happened a month after the Cuyahoga fire in 1969. And that was huge, huge for our country. Huge. Something else that happened in in July, again, the the next month um, after the fire, during the same time as the Apollo Apollo 11 success, was the Chappaquiddick incident slash scandal. Do you know what that is? No, I've never heard of that. Okay. This is a very... It's like a huge scandal for America's history, but this is when Ted Kennedy, Hmm. he crashed his car with a passenger in it into a river up in Chappaquiddick, Massachusetts, Hmm. and he abandoned the car and the passenger, who is a 28-year-old woman. Her name is famous at this point because of the scandal, obviously. Okay, I'll look it up. But he had what's what's key here is that he had abandoned the car and his passenger, swam and went back to not went back to his state, but like basically did not report that he was driving the car, um, didn't really call for help right away. And this ended up tarnishing because he was going to run for president. And because of this event, it ended up virtually like eliminating eliminating any chance he had for running for president so he did in the end so this was very big at the time because it's a kennedy name Mm -hmm. and um actually if you watch succession i forget if you watch yeah yeah that whole scene uh, you know spoilers but that whole scene with um uh kendall Kendall. Yeah, I was gonna say Mm -hmm. roman i'm like not Roman. (laughs) the whole scene with kendall when he crashes the car with the um, the waiter. The waiter. That's a nod to the Chappaquiddick incident. So right. if you've seen Succession, just picture that. But it actually happened in real life to a politician. Yes. And um, Ted Kennedy got his like license revoked. Um, there was a whole trial, all of that stuff, because I think she ended up dying. The passenger ended up drowning. I was just going to say, yeah. did she? And I have her name. It's Mary Jo Kopechny. Yeah. Kopechny. Mm-hmm. So... This is, of course, huge in 1969. Everyone loves a political scandal. It's also a tragedy for Mary Jo. Yes. Um, And so what happened She died. Sorry, just a quick say. She did die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Drowning. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really horrible. Yeah. Um, So 
The Chappaquiddick incident and Apollo happened a month after the Cuyahoga River. Um, And they, these two events get featured in the August issue that year of Time Magazine. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is, Mm -hmm. this is a setup. This is a long setup, but bear with me. I love it. Yep. We're going to go back two years real quick. It'll all tie together. I promise. In 1967, Cleveland was the first major city to elect a black mayor, Carl Stokes. Okay. Okay. One of Stokes's prime issues he tackled as mayor was water pollution. Mm. And he was able to get voters to invest in this issue. Um, but it was hard to convince major stakeholders, AKA the businesses polluting the river yeah. to engage with his clean water initiative. Mm-hmm. When the fire in 69 happened, it was an opportunity that Stokes took to hold a press conference around the Cuyahoga banks mm-hmm. to drive home his point on this water initiative, clean water initiative. Mm-hmm. One of the articles that was written up, the small, like small local journalism, you know, of his press, press conference was featured in that same August issue of Time magazine. It just oh, wow. so happened that it worked okay. out that way. Yeah, yeah. And because this August issue was so big with the Chappaquiddick incident, because that was the ex- mm. that was a cover story expose about the Chappaquiddick sure. incident, and with the Apollo return, all that. Yeah. It the Cuyahoga River fire. His Stokes' small little press conference got noticed wow. because of these just like these stars aligning. That's crazy. And I you know as much as I'm like that really is. A huge part of why, sadly, mm-hmm. the 69 fire was even noticed or the pollution was really even noticed on a national level. Okay? Wow. We're also, we're in the late 60s, which means that we're in the midst of the counterculture movement. Um, counterculture movements, extremely anti-establishment. It's, mm-hmm. there's back to the land sentiments and yeah. ideologies. Um, these were highly influenced by popular books that came out in the same de- decade, such as, such as Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. Silent Spring mm-hmm. came out several years prior. And Paul Elrich's The Population Bomb. So there was concerns mm-hmm. about overpopulation going around during this time as well. Um, lots of self-sustaining communes were popping up. People were moving from the cities to rural areas to start, yeah. you know, building their own land, not building their own land, but like farming for themselves and yeah. creating community for themselves, self-sustaining, right? Yep. Um, and there were also concerns over the environmental effects of war, which were part of the larger anti-war sentiment because the Vietnam War was happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a truly perfect storm that it just so happened that the fire was featured in this very popular time magazine edition in addition to the fact that we were on this track of wanting to improve the environment or having at least concerns about the environment on a national scale totally so this is the answer as to why this 24 minute fire in 1969 in a history of 11 fires prior was the one to really make an impact. That and is so interesting. Additional fun fact. Yeah. In the time article where they talk, where they talk about Stokes's press conference on the river. Remember I said there were no photos of the 1969 fire. Yeah. What they did in that article, they used photos from the 1952 fire. Mm, smart. So Harini, I'm going to send you 
a photo from the 1952 Cuyahoga River. This is the photo that they used in the mm-hmm. Time article. Okay. Okay. Tell me, tell me what you see. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So I see an, it's a black and white image, first of all. Mm-hmm. And I see an image of a river. And it is just one third of the bottom of the picture. The mm-hmm. rest of the picture is just billowing black smoke. It takes mm-hmm. up the entire image. And I think that was, of course, done on purpose. But you can see just the line and the path of the fire engulfed in flames. And the rest is just this gigantic mass of smoke. Right. It is. And then I, I'm also seeing like um, like a before and after what the river looked like before and mm-hmm. then after the damages. Mm-hmm. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the image that was featured in that Time magazine. And of course, that is something that would probably get an emotional response like that is yeah like that's crazy i think what's kind of wild to me is that this photo was taken you know like over just over a decade ago so part of me is like you wouldn't not have access to this photo per se in the late 60s right like yeah but you know i have to give them i have to recognize like reverse image search is obviously totally not a thing back then but I'm like if you grew up in the 50s during that time and remembered seeing that photo in papers you could then you know 17 years later be like I've seen this photo before you know what I mean like but but but, you know maybe again I have to the counterculture movement is predominantly young young folks at the time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. they probably didn't recognize like (laughs) that's an older photo and we should be upset. But that's yeah. besides the point. But you get the yeah. idea, right? Like, I'm like, on some level, you could probably, whatever. <laughs> I mean, to, in my eyes, like, I don't hold it against them for using an older picture because ultimately at the end of the day, you're trying to evoke an emotion out of people. You're trying to right. get them to be like, you need, we need to change these things. It's not like it didn't happen. It's still right. factual. The, this river has been on fire multiple times. This is just right. one of many. And I'm just showing you do you want this to happen again? This is what people are ingesting in their right. everyday drinking water. Let's do right. something. That's very fair. And um, when I was doing the research and, you know, asking myself these questions of like, obviously I just gave an answer as to like, why now? Why in this 1969 yeah. time did we take action? Okay, well, we kind of have the answer, but how come, why not in 1952 when it was worse, sure. right? Sure. And what I did learn is like, it's just different sentiments at the time. 1952, yeah. people who lived around the river, they so understood the river catches fire all the time. This is the worst fire in the history that they've had. People died, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure on some level, there was probably local outrage of like, things need to change. Like, we can't mm-hmm. go on like this. But at the same time, to me, it's almost kind of like the Minamata Bay thing, where yeah. there's there was like explicit mention that people were used to the river catching on fire the river catching on fire was almost like a thing of pride, knowing that your your community is industrious. It means you're successful. It means that the businesses are booming and they're producing and there's labor. And yeah. 1950s was like, I think that was a very labor heavy time period. I mean, as even though they advertised a lot against it in terms of towards towards women but um mm-hmm. that's besides the point but but you know what i mean like 1950s is a different it's 17 years is enough time i guess for 
the next generation to be oh, like, yeah. no, we're, we're done with this. No more yeah. establishment, right? So Right. I mean, I have to go back to what you were saying, Megan, of the mm-hmm. stars really aligned. And it's so true. I mean, there are like just the concoction of events and time of that when everything happened, could you couldn't play it any better. Right. I mean, as you said, for people as a collective to just be in a certain mode of thinking and, and have changed and transitioned mentally of the fifties to the sixties are like, we need to go back to the land. This right. was already their mindset. And then it had just happened to be because this happens so often. The mm-hmm. reason why certain in- pieces of information that seem like once you hear it, you're like, why didn't this make news? Why didn't this make right. bigger news? Why? Because other things had eclipsed it at that time or news was slow and no right. one really cared about hearing about this. It just right. happened to be so perfectly placed that yeah. these big events added more fuel to the fire pun intended of what was going on in ohio it just it just worked yeah um and in tying in with that use that sense of imagery and using that Mm -hmm. that imagery to evoke some sort of emotion or outcry yeah i forgot to mention there was one more event that happened in 1969 february um, january of 1969 there was a large oil spill off the coast of santa barbara California, large oil spill that happened. It's now ranked the third worst oil spill that has ever happened after Deepwater Horizon and the Exxon oil spill. Oh, my gosh. But I'm going to ask you a question. Mm. When you recall the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, because that happened during our lifetimes, Mm -hmm. what imagery comes to your head? None. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, okay. Never mind. My plan didn't work. My plan didn't work. I was hoping you'd say something like, oh, you know, like birds covered in oil. Yes. Seals covered in oil. That's what I was that's what I was aiming at. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I recall like Dawn soap advertisements constantly popping up. We're using Dawn to clean up our seagulls, you know, all that stuff. And I shouldn't laugh. It's like this was a terrible thing that happened for sure. Yep. I remember the seagulls. But I wanted to do a a a you know, a mention of the Deepwater Horizon and how the media coverage of it was very much showing sea life being impacted by oil because that's what happened during the 69 oil spill off Santa Barbara. They did Mm -hmm. the same thing. They showed sea life covered in oil, birds being, um, you know, cleaned up, dolphins were dying off the coast. And that's what the media showed. Mm -hmm. And I want to tie that into this, this, you know, the 1952 imagery being used for the 1969 fire because it was the same tactic. It was like, yeah, we need to use something that will, you know, really tug on our sentiments and like get humans mobilizing over this environmental issue. Yeah. So I want to tie that in as well. Okay. So we, as, as you said, Harini, and as, as we've been discussing environmentalists mm-hmm. and like the broader community that live along the Cuyahoga river, They've, they have known for a long, long time that the river was in decay. Like, they've known that yeah. it's been horrible for a long, long time. To a point where, like, the fish populations in the river had become virtually non-existent or declared poisonous to consume. So, like, you yeah. can't even fish in the river. And people had known that for forever. Right. Um, <laughs> even in 1922, tw- 1922, this is taken from the... Smithsonian, an article in the Smithsonian. But in 1922, engineers at the Water Department of Cleveland did tests of the city's drinking water to respond to claims that the water tasted medicinal or like carbolic acid. Ew. 
Okay, so this, so everyone's outraged. Everyone's aware of what's happening in Cuyahoga. Mm. On April 22nd of 1970, in the following year, a Wisconsin senator by the name of Gaylord Nelson organizes a teach-in protest on college campuses across the country in response to the Cuyahoga River fire and the Santa Barbara oil spill. Mm. 10% of the U.S. population, that's 20 million people at the time, participated in the protest. That's pretty significant. 10% of the population participated in this protest. It shows how much people cared about environmental issues at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And this day is now officially known as Earth Day. So April 22nd, 1970, that was the very first Earth Day. So cool. A side note on the population, because I had to do a little research. I was like, okay, 10% of the U.S. population was 20 million people at that time. For context... (laughs) The population of California right now in 2022 mm-hmm. is 39.5 million people. Holy crap. So if you want an idea of how much we have grown wow. exponentially, it's been a lot since wow. 1970. I mean, Ugh. yeah, that's a lot because that's just the state of California. So apply that to the whole rest of the country. Crazy. Oh, I mean, I guess people. I could Google I, I, I kind of don't want to Google. I know. I don't want to stress me out just now. Here okay. Comparison. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, so Earth Day is established. And so. then actually this teaching, this, this creation of Earth Day led to Nixon proposing and having Congress pass essentially the Environmental Protection Agency in that same year. So mm. the EPA is formed in December of 1970. Lewis Stokes, who is Carl Stokes's brother, oh, okay. it, was a member of the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. and he was able to secure federal funding to clean up the Cuyahoga River. The cleanup efforts slash plan plans used to clean up the Cuyahoga were used also as a model to draft the Clean Water Act. So this oh. is like a neat connection that yeah. Carl Stokes, mayor, who you know helped bring attention to this issue his brother helped in some way create funding to create the clean water act so or to secure funding to create the clean water act so it's like cool brother situation going on family run (laughs) yeah yeah and that the clean water act is passed in 1972 sweet along with the great lakes water quality agreement which is um, it's an agreement between the U.S. and Canada mm-hmm. to uh, regulate areas of concern that might impact the integrity of the Great Lakes Basin ecosystem. Yeah. All these environmental protections g- fell into place very mm-hmm. quickly within like two years time That's of the awesome. Cuyahoga River fire. Yeah. Okay. We haven't had a chance really to discuss what exactly was being put into the river yeah. besides like a general concept of like sewage and manufacturing waste and mm-hmm. human waste, right? In 1970, a federal grand jury investigation of water pollution was opened up along the Cuyahoga River, and they found that the water pollution was caused by 12 dominant corporations in North- northeastern Ohio. Mm-hmm. It found that the Jones and Lawland Steel Corporation had been discharging cyanide into the what? river near Cleveland. Oh Just my large God. amounts of cyanide. So that's one thing that went to the river. Uh, Other yeah. corporations that were built and founded in Cleveland, the American Shipbuilding, Republic Steel and Standard Oil, Sherwin- and Sherwin-Williams Paint Company 
were part of those corporations. And so lots of oil. Yes, the river. I was going to say. Probably lots yep. of lead, yep, yep, yep. too, put into the river. Mm-hmm. And and like that one guy observed, lots of debris so as well. Gross. Just tree, like rot, all this stuff. So those are the things I, I imagine. Like there's probably so <laughs> such a wealth of chemicals. but But in terms of like basic things that we can like tangibly recognize is oil um that's so nasty i mean that that'll do it for that sure. will Those do it three yeah uh okay wait i have a question i don't know if you're gonna talk about this but what exactly i mean i can i can jump in my mind the answer to this but what exactly caused the mm-hmm. river to catch on fire ah yes <laughs> thank you for asking because i would have forgotten that's the most key part um, it was a passing train. There was a train what? passing the river that sparked on the yeah. rail, um, just from friction or whatever. <laughs> little spark went boop, into the just the what? toxic waste, and that's what ignited it. Just a spark from a rail. Uh, consistently, uh, what train had caused all the yeah. other fires, or we don't know. I don't know. That's and fine. to be totally honest, I didn't look yeah. up all <laughs> all eleven okay. fires. Um. I, I have an answer mm-hmm. for a fire I haven't mentioned because it is mm-hmm. it happened much later in the future. So this is not to this is not a an ending to the story. Don't worry. There's I mean this is not supposed to sound doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. I'll explain once I get there. But um, like technically the 1969 fire, you know, it's it wasn't the mm. Last time the Cuyahoga caught on fire, but it was the last time that the Cuyahoga caught on fire due to significant pollution. Okay. On August 25th of 2020, a the Cuyahoga did catch fire, but it's because a Holland oil and gas fuel tanker crashed on mm-hmm. Route 8 near the river in, in Akron. What happened was the fuel leaked into oh. the Cuyahoga Falls, into the river, and it because of the crash as well, it sparked... Yeah a yeah. fire onto that leak. And okay. that fire was put out pretty quickly, but it did make news because 2020, they the river had just passed its 51st anniversary since the EPA was created. <laughs> so yeah. like 20, 2019 was the 50th anniversary, <laughs> but then like a year later, a fire was- 2020 as a whole, a massive trash fire already. So might as well throw it on there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, yeah. truly, truly poetic. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, going back, I don't know how other fires, I'm sure you could easily mm-hmm. find out how the 1952 fire was caused. Um, oh, I'm seeing right here. It's most fatal fire was in 1912 and that was five people, five people died. Oh, but shit. yeah, there's a whole Ohio history org. That has lovely. So go and take a look. See, will do. Um, so yeah, that is the story to address Darian's concerns. Darian, can Miko Boy safely play <laughs> in the river today or in Lake Erie? Lake Erie yeah. today. The good news is that in 2019, the EPA actually announced that the fish in the river were safe to eat. Yay, Aww. on its 50th anniversary. So That's amazing. The fish are now considered safe to eat, which I imagine it means it's safe to swim in and mm-hmm. play in because the e- EPA, and it's 
the OEPA, which is the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency, which was its own, you know, the government okay. of Ohio's owns EPA, essentially. Mm. Because those were created due to the Cuyahoga fire, they really cared. They really met their goals in terms of cleaning up the river, right? Specific to the Cuyahoga. Big picture wise, there are countless, not countless, sorry, countless is unfair because there are only so many rivers in the U.S., but there are many rivers in the U.S. that have a history of catching fire, especially mm. on the North Atlantic coast. Okay. okay. It's it's history of industrialization, basically. Yeah. And the thing is, I think because the Cuyahoga's tie to these governmental agencies, they've had lots of success with cleaning the river and making things so much better after 50 years to a point where the fish are consumable again. Yeah. So on that note, I want to be optimistic and I want to recognize that, that they really mm -hmm. made a change. Stokes and his brother really made a difference for yep. that city and for the water there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like, on an optimistic level, Miko boy can totally enjoy <laughs> the water. He's okay. Now, here's where it ends on a slightly sad note. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> because this, this, you know... The battle for the environment is always ongoing. It will mm -hmm. always be ongoing, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like I said, our population in California is or has already surpassed the national population Ugh, from yeah. what? I, I can't do math. No. From the 60s. From the 60s, the just idea. say that. You get the idea. <laughs> so late last year, the Trump administration did make changes to the Clean Water Act that mm -hmm. does strip its protections from 60% of streams in this country, Ugh. along with many, many acreages of wetlands. Okay. So this why? is Trump. Okay. I do not know why, because I did not look into it. I should look <laughs> into it to, to understand, <laughs> to see if I'm capable of understanding. Right, um, right. But I just wanted to say, like, just be aware that this is something that did happen. Another thing, this is probably what most people heard about this, if it did make the news in terms of what his administration changed to the Clean Water Act, which is that it eliminated an established rule that stopped coal companies from dumping waste into water sources. That is something that I remember hearing in 20, was it 20? I think it was 2019 that this happened. Because I remember there was any mention of coal in this day and age is going to make people upset, especially yeah. how the media talks about it. Mm -hmm. Some of that's super justified. Some of it might be a little bit skewed. But mm -hmm. that's what I remember when I heard anything about his administration changing the Clean Water Act is that it, it. like coal companies now don't have as much restrictions when they dump into water sources. Yeah, that is scary. So just be <laughs> aware of that. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, wonderful. Yeah, that's it. That is the story of the <sighs> 1969 Cuyahoga River fire and just a history of the Cuyahoga River in general. Yeah. And how it had burned 13 times. This is such a cool story. I my mind is blown. Like yeah. genuinely. This is such an interesting yeah. historical moment that right. a lot of us don't know about. Like we don't know why these things happen or the right. backstory behind these things. It's always good to know and get that that historical record right. in story format. I think that this story was so fun for for me because I would have I would never have anticipated that so many different fun facts tied yeah. into this one moment in time. Correct. Like, I did not know that, that there was an oil spill off Santa Barbara in 69. Right. 
I I barely knew about the Chappaquiddick scandal and how significant that was for the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that all these uh, events happen so close together yeah. in time. I had no idea, you know? Right, right. 69. What a year. Right. No, no wonder so many songs are written about 69. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's it, dude. That's, dude, that's it. What a story. That's mm-hmm. hats off. Bravo, Thank bravo. Very good. Well-informed. I'm, I feel like I learned so much. And yeah. again, so many – you know I love fun facts. Mm-hmm. You know that. That's why we yeah. did this podcast. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, this is like almost – I know there's a lot of like sad things that happen in history, but it's right. a treasure trove of it fun is. interesting facts that we would never have known. So it's definitely, it's definitely it. a little time capsule. And it part is. of me is like, damn – I'm ready for some trivia. Like I this know. covered so much Dude, <laughs> in terms of would... like fun, fun, trivial yeah. facts about the U.S. Yes, so. I love it. I love it. So, Megan, thank you so much mm-hmm. for bringing this to the pod. It is much appreciated. All right, Megan, take us on out of this beautiful episode. Let's let's get out of here. Um, don't risk it for that. Sewagey, oozy, <laughs> um, cyanide-filled river biscuit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it, love it, love yeah. it. But also don't love it. Okay. No. <laughs> Disgusting. And uh, Chef Boyardee. One last time. Gotta get in there. <laughs> don't risk it for that Chef Boyardee. <laughs> Slaughterhouse biscuit. Okay, yeah, that yeah, was mine. That's better. That's better. I love it. <laughs> no, no, it's We not- could do two. We both had one. We each have one. That's the first time ever. All right. We're on a different level today. Thanks, boys and pals, for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye.